Welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we focus on the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the ego of all other people at the table. I'm one of your hosts, Dungeon Master Mitch. And I'm Dungeon Master Chris. And we're really excited about this episode of the Dungeon Master's Block. Today, we are going to take our mailbag of holding, we're going to hold it upside down and dump it all out and we're going to see what we can get from it. <laughs> we basically went back from the beginning of when we started the Gmail in October and are looking through all the best questions when we haven't answered yet, answering them or sharing your stories or just simply responding back to them in this episode. So no promises that we're going to get through everything today. Yep. Um, we will see how that goes, but... Uh, we're going to look at some a lot of your ideas and your questions, and we'll further answer them. If we've already answered them, which we will always try to answer them through email, we're going to bring them up on the show so that everybody can yeah. experience the wisdom of us two DMs. <laughs> very prideful. <laughs> um, so without further ado, let's give our shout-outs for this week. I think we have two pretty good ones this week, and I'll, I'll start us off. Start us uh, off. This one says, good podcast, five stars, from proud grandmother of two. Uh, and this came in on December 28th. It says, listening to, my son spend time with, uh, listening to my son spend time with my grandchildren while playing his games with them has been infinitely rewarding. When I asked him where he heard about such an imaginative games, he told me about this podcast, and I must say, uh, I, I quite enjoy it. The hosts are such well-spoken young men, thank you, uh, <laughs> and enthusiastic about their subject matter, and I've enjoyed listening to it very much. And then she says probably the most grandmotherly thing she could. Have a lovely day. <laughs> so proud grandmother of two, you have a lovely day. We've enjoyed this this shout out that you gave us. Dude, that was like so heartfelt, like brings a tear to my eye. I know, I know. <laughs> Thanks, grandma. <laughs> you ever want to send us cookies too? <laughs> yeah. Great. We'll get you an address. <laughs> oh man. Okay, so moving on from the next that one's pretty good too. Uh, the next one is entitled me likey this pod <laughs> it, it reminds me of tommy boy me likey yeah. tommy want wingy <laughs> me likey this pod all right i gotta get through this one uh and this one is from chester the bro jester <laughs> that's right chester the bro jester another five stars uh, and he just says... It gets better. Oh, I guess. He says, D&D &D and podcast come here to frolic. Best pod there is. <laughs> we like you this pod. <laughs> we like you this pod, too. Oh, gosh. Thank you, Chester the Bro Jester. I don't know how we get through that. All right. Well, let's... I don't know where we can go from there. You've probably listened to the best part about this show. So, all right. Let's get on to story time. Story time. The time during the episode where we talk about what happened last week during our campaigns, our favorite moments, what we learned about ourselves, and what we learned about each other. Please join us now as we enjoy story time. Story time this week, Chris, I'm excited. Uh, we haven't actually been able to talk about our stories our own campaigns for a while now yeah with, that we're currently playing yeah with because, all the vacations and yeah, christmas and everything christmas like that people have been super we had friends that have moved recently yep. and so it's been it's been pretty hectic on thursday nights when we usually play to actually get our campaigns in yep. and be able to come back and share actual stories with you <laughs> and so last week we were able to finally sit down play my campaign tonight 
We're playing in your campaign. I'm super excited to yeah, play Karab again. I'm sure yep. you're excited to DM. You were just given a secret mission by yep. one of the guys. <laughs> yeah, I'm yep. super excited now because now I have to figure out a way to lie to all the <laughs> other players. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I, we sat down. We played my campaign last week. We picked up from the last time when we played. I think last time we ended off, basically you were, if you remember the story time of uh, the masked rider yeah. conspiracy the eight That's foot tall white rider we got everybody yeah. plastered and then they we got i think we got 16 people to sign up for the riders of shamash and... yeah 16 plus you're already yep. motley crew yep. characters yep more riders of shamash stuff and stuff happens in this story time but you yep. just have to hang on for a minute because it gets really good and so uh just if you like just to recap in my campaign uh your characters are all on this mission from the gods you don't know why you don't know what the purpose is you don't know what's going on we've just on, been told that but, we need to get these items and yeah. we know when we put these items in these statues hands they disappear or burn up or whatever it is that they do and in the middle of this i don't know basin i guess you could call it like yep, this, basin. this basin area there's this item that keeps the water keeps filling up and this basin gradually reveals, reveals more, more and more of a item that yeah. we don't know what it looks like and it's where you can put your hand into the water and put your arms and touch the item yep. but, we but can't you try pull to it pull out. it out and yep. it's like it hits a wall yep. you can't pull it up yep. so yeah you guys are on this mission from the gods and so this week we return to the world of atos to the country of shemesh yep uh, and, and we, we started again and we're getting closer to you guys having all of the requirements, yep. all the sacrifices. So, yep. we, start uh, tell us what we started out at the Riders of Shemesh. The Riders Inn, I think, is what we call it, right? We, we call it the Riders Inn. And we realized you're okay, a business owner now. I'm Chris. a business owner now. Yeah, it feels great. It feels good, especially with what I'm going to talk about in a little bit. Yeah. It's great. So, we, uh, we commissioned a few of the guys because we realized on our way back we didn't get one of the items that we probably could have if we would have stopped off mm -hmm. at the coast from the direction we went. But you and figured now, this is a pretty mundane task. But we figured this task. is a pretty mundane task. Anybody could do it. People know what this plant looks like. We needed Strelth, which mm -hmm. is a red plant, correct? Red if plant, I remember yep. right. They right. use it for like burning incense. Right. And so we needed to get some Strelth for one of the gods. And so we were like, okay, we have a bunch of Riders of Shemesh who need things to do. <laughs> so we might as well send a couple of them off to go and get some Strelth. So we sent, I think, one burly guy that could be kind of like a meat shield, one guy who. Yep. We could trust enough to smarter bring this guy, back. Yeah. He was a smarter guy. He knew what Strelth was. I'm sure the big guy was like, I don't know what Strelth <laughs> is. I don't know. Uh, this flower? Flower? <laughs> don't. And then he's like hungry and he just chomps on it. It's just gone. It's poison! <laughs> no, no, don't do it. Uh, so we, we commissioned a couple of the men from the Riders of Shemesh to go and get this Strelth easy enough. We didn't want to waste the time to go all the way back you've been and gone was, for a good we've been month gone for a good month you're and hoping half they found so it by now. we're hoping that we we could find it by now because <laughs> it was literally they needed to take like a week to travel out get it and come back yep. i'm sure so that happened and we decided okay we need to go in the opposite direction we need to head east or west sorry we needed to head west if your directions are actually north, south, east, and west. Yes, sir. Okay, all right. So we had to head west. No need to change that. Okay, all right. <laughs> east? I thought you said... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we, we traveled west, and along the way, we were headed back towards where we came from. We've been in this direction already. And out in the woods, we heard this kind of clamoring and yelling and screaming. And I think we heard like a bear noise or something uh, like that some when we were on the road. Some kind of roaring. Some yeah. sort of roaring. Yeah, we didn't know what it was. And so... We had our druid character changed into a hawk form, flew out there, and you know, me and uh, Mark's character were kind of uh, cautiously. cautiously approaching his lapid character. We're cautiously approaching into the woods, and all of a sudden the hawk comes flying back. And he's like, yeah. 
just squawking like squawking crazy, like crazy. And right towards the noise right towards the like, noise uh, okay we come out we come out into this clearing I, and i said you know i'm just gonna sneak i don't know what's going on like and you're like you probably should just go or you're going to miss what happens yeah. and your players might die. I was like, okay, fine. I'll sometimes, yeah, sometimes the DM, you kind of want to just be yeah. like, listen, I hate metagaming, but if you don't decide to go, yeah. then you're going to miss an entire... Because I, I was a rogue. I'm like, yeah. I'm just going to sneak. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be so we careful. So we kind of had like, we kind of said, okay, well, your character cares about... Yeah. We worked through it and we said, your character cares about his friends and so... One of them trusted the, and one of them was the like, hey, come on, come would on. Be, depleted by the amount that he's like, I don't want my friends to get right, hurt. Right. I will, even though I want to be cautious, I will, I can't let my friends run off into battle yep. by myself. So yep. we worked it out. It was good. Yep. And so we came out into this clearing and we saw this bear, this huge you know, he bear was massive with like horns on his back and like all these yeah. like spikes on his back and stuff. Yep. Clearly you guys player wise knew dire yeah, bear. Yeah, dire bear. Yeah. Yep. And you saw this boar. And he's he's fighting this boar with a we didn't know what this creature was. He looked like a shorter, stockier human that had a big beard and yeah. like long I think he had long hair and stuff like that. Yep. And he just he we did we were like, uh yeah, okay, this guy's in trouble. Like yeah. we'll help him. My first question was, why the heck is he off the road? Like what what <laughs> yeah. in the world is making him doing? be so far off the road? Which I think later we found out he was a dwarf yeah. after this whole battle. Which, as player wise, you guys knew. And we knew right inside away. Inside, you're like, oh, we need to find the yeah. dwarves. Yeah, we need like, to find the dwarves. Okay. We don't know who the dwarves yeah, are, yeah. but we need to find them. Yep. Um, so we we helped him, and we, I I think personally, I figured out why he wasn't on the road because people don't know who dwarves are. And he was a scout. And he's a scout, so he's trying to be secretive scouting and he's scouting out the area. And so, but he stumbled across this dire bear, which is pretty unfortunate <laughs> if you think about it. Like, that makes for a pretty bad day. <laughs> uh, his boar died, so we had to kind of help him along. And he, he's like, didn't he? He revealed to us that he was a dwarf. Well, right? the you guys, he got totally knocked out. So right, you guys yeah. healed him. And the first thing, part of your quest is find an axe for Morden's people. Yeah. And so he wakes up, and the first thing he says is Morden's beard. Yeah, and we're like, and you're like Morden. Yeah, <laughs> if ever there could be light bulbs, beep, yeah. coming at we're like Morden. Oh yeah, of course we need to find this guy. Yeah. So we we said Morden, you know Morden. He's like, well, of course do I know, you know Morden. Morden. Yeah, yeah. He's like, do you know Morden? We're like, no. We just we need to. We need, and so it was like this awkward conversation of like, wait, I thought only the dwarves knew who Morden was. Yeah. So how do you know Morden? Yeah. We're like, we need an axe of Morden's people. And he's like, you're not taking my. Yeah, axe. he's like, you're not taking my axe. He's like, I think I asked, can we have your axe? Like, we just saved your life. And he's like, no. Yeah. You can't oh yeah, have it's axe. not dangerous out here. Either. Yeah, right. He's like, no, you can't have my axe. But uh, he did, he was grateful for you guys saving his life. Yeah, and so he was willing to say, okay, I can take you somewhere where you can get an axe of Moradin. Yeah. The only stipulation to that was we had to put blindfolds on mm-hmm. and walk yeah. in whatever direction this, we knew. This was a hilarious interaction because you guys are going up a mountain and so you guys are clearly like oh so we're going up and he's like no we're yeah. going down yeah like, we're like we're about? we're like we can feel the elevation change yeah. we can tell that we're going it's up he's like colder. he's like no you're going down we're, we're going, like no, sh- we're going into a valley we're like you're you're a stupid dwarf and then you don't well, know and then like you yeah not a good bluff check that's for sure and then he brings you into the mountain and it gets dark. He says something like, uh, "Oh, we're in the mountain." And he goes like, "Mountain?" He's like, "No, no, 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 no. I'm just, I'm just messing with you. We're in a, we're in a valley." Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which was more me as a uh, DM <laughs> messing up a few yeah, times, yeah. but playing along with it. Yeah. So we uh, we found this kind of like dwarven city. We were like, we didn't know dwarves were here. Nobody has ever told us about dwarves. Like, 
I think one of our first questions was, what the heck are you guys doing here? Yeah. You know? And he's like, uh, we can't tell you. We can't yeah. tell you what we're doing here. That's that's the business of the clan leader. And yep. you guys like, can we talk to the clan leader? He's like, no. <laughs> no, you can't talk to the clan leader. He's busy with other things. Yep. Um, so we... Did we buy the axe, or did somebody give us yeah. the axe? Or something? We bought we yeah. bought an axe. Well, for they, they gave you one axe for saving his life, and you decided, oh, these weapons look sweet. They yeah, and I was like, nice, I want to so... get one of these for myself. I want to get like a little hand axe that yeah, I can we use know for that this one axe is going to be sacrificed to the gods. Yeah, and yeah. it would be too big for It'd me. Be anyway. Too big for me anyway, since I'm a halfling. But so I, I decided that I wanted my own, and I did some swindling and trading of some other weapons that I had to make it work. So that well, I more, could get more this. so they tried swindling. Yeah, they tried. Well, because we figured out. What was it? Somebody somebody got absolutely ripped off at one point in time. Like it was like Mark, four, they're like, Well, we don't normally sell to other people and, and they don't know who we are. The guy didn't think, Oh, this is swindling, it's like supply and demand, my friend, yeah. supply and demand. Well, he bought a but mithril Mark, yeah. chain shirt, right? Mark uh Magic Mark got uh spent a little bit more than he could have had he tried a little diplomacy. <laughs> but he was more, he's more memorized by like shiny thing. I yeah. want it. Well, know? and he said, you know, I'm just trying to play my character. My character wouldn't be into bartering. Yeah. He'd just be like, okay, sounds good yeah, to me. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. Which is great. That's yeah. what you should do as a player, you know? Yeah, of course. So I tried trading a bunch of my stuff in and I ended up getting a, what was the axe again? It was a... Cold iron cold hand iron, axe. Cold iron hand masterwork. axe. Yep. Masterwork. And it was, it's really nice. Does a little hit. I mean, it, it gives me advantages that I wouldn't have from my normal weapon that I had. So I decided to buy one of those. It's all I could really afford. And then while we were here, we realized, oh, we need a gem from the heart of the mountain or whatever yeah, for one some of the miners, gods. Yeah, some dwarf we saw miners. some miners, and we were actually about to leave. I think, yeah. weren't we? <laughs> and one of them, like you said, all right, roll, listen, check, and we heard something, something to the effect of. We gotta go and mine for these gems that are in the, mm-hmm. the mountain. Something to that Carving effect. Out the mountain. And everybody's ears were kind of like, gems? <laughs> we need one of those. Yeah. You know, because uh, Glitter Gold said, I need a gem from the heart of the earth or whatever. And so we decided to, we, we turned around and we were like, hey, can we can we mine? We're on like this quest that we need a gem from the center, or from, not from the center, but from the earth. And they were kind of like, yeah, you can, you can work. I mean, we're not just gonna give you one. You can mine for it. And then didn't you say like, all right, we're just gonna, we're gonna like, just fast pace this. I don't know how this mechanic would work for mining. You're just like, just gonna roll and see how long it actually takes you to find and one. Took you guys and you roll. Did you roll a d10? I rolled a d10. And you rolled a 10. On 10. Yeah. So it took you guys a long time. Yeah. And so we we finally got this this gem, and you told us what it was, and we looked it up in real life, and it was actually like, it was like fifteen thousand dollars for the crap yeah, it was worth the real a world. Ton in of money in the real world. world it's, it's not worth as much. Mid range yeah. gems. Yeah. But. But so we found this and we're like, okay, this will work. And so I don't remember exactly how it happened. There was something with a jeweler. We wanted to figure out what it was. We went and talked to him. And our lapid would just, after working for 10 days in the mine, had never bathed, never showered, never did any of this, <laughs> well, right? it was funny because we, at the end, we decided that you, you and uh, Grouthoof, Caleb's character, were bathing the whole time. Yeah. But the lapid, Mark, Magic Mark's character just... Didn't know there was a bad Didn't house. know for whatever reason that he like <laughs> because got he's always really, wandering off by himself. Yeah. and so he's disgusting. He got really him. infatuated with the dwarves, or he was looking <laughs> at the jewelry, whatever it was. And so he's just absolutely filthy. Like yeah. just can't you can't stand. You can't even tell that he was like whatever color fur he was for a while. Cause it's just covered in ash and soot <laughs> and dirt and all this stuff. He went from like a pure white rabbit to like a just disgusting black. Yeah. Dirty rabbit. Yep. Yep. And so we. You found the gem. We found the gem. And so he's like, all right, I have to go outside, find a pond. And he's like, he's trying to go outside to find a stream to clean off in. 
and the dwarf that led you guys here is like, you could go to the bathhouse. Yeah, you can go to the bathhouse. <laughs> and he's just like, bathhouse? Are you kidding me? Like, there's been a bathhouse this whole time? And didn't he walk in and, like, me and Caleb's character are, like, sitting there, we're having some drinks or whatnot, and, like, hanging out with some yeah. of these dwarves, and he's just like, oh my gosh, bathhouse. And he, like, comes and jumps into this, like, it's, like, crystal clear, yeah. like, bath water, and it's instantly, you just see, like, black stuff All these spewing naked out and hairy dwarves like getting yeah, out of the yeah, tub like yeah, running away yeah they're like, like what are you, what's going on and we got out and then didn't grout hoof like he cast purify water or yep. something like that it purified, it purified it. the water and then there's more black just <laughs> emanates out into the water yep. right and so he, he you know we eventually that was just a funny moment of like yeah, dude you, how did you not know it's that there time. was like a bathhouse like come on <laughs> we were always clean every single day like how did you not figure this out right uh, you couldn't uh, see through all the dirt. Yeah, I couldn't see through all the dirt, whatever it was. After that, we we left. They didn't. Did they blindfold us again and lead us down? No, I, don't I think, think so. you guys like we kind of earned their trust. You, enough. you kind of earned their trust. They said, "Please yeah. don't tell us anybody about us." We're, yeah, you know. yeah, and we were like, "Okay, yeah, you can you can trust us. We're not yeah. going to tell anybody about where you are and stuff." And so we we left and continued on our journey to Clearboro, where mm-hmm. we needed to make our where first you stop. Started the campaign. Yep, where we started, and so we made it back to Clearboro trying to remember what happened when we well you guys got there and basically it was just like oh let's chill here for a little bit we know this place yeah and one of you you guys had found this curse oh no we went yeah yeah yeah. so we, we had found this cursed item yeah and we locked it away in, in, the, the in the in the bank called the lock and key right yep. under think. under lock and key yeah. which is basically this systems of vaults underneath underground yep. it's a and bank we, basically we went to the place where we actually started our campaign at the lion's den was it just in, lion's, yep, den lion's den or was lion's den in we met we met our old friend Roderick, right? Yep. Was that his name? Bar, the bartender bar there at, uh, at the Lions Den Inn, Roderick. And we were just talking with him, talking with him, talking with him. And somebody came up to us and said, "Roderick had a Roderick note had a note yeah, for us, yeah, Underlock from Underlock and Key, saying that there was a theft that had occurred." And we're like, "How the heck did this place get broken into?" Like we were told, this was the most high tech place, quote unquote high tech for you know what it <laughs> yeah. is, uh, and, it's, and safe. <laughs> it, it's it's safe. Nothing will ever get stolen out of here. And so we went. And they were like, we're going to compensate you for what it was. Well, they didn't know that it was like this magically cursed item. And you guys weren't going to tell and them. we weren't going to tell them. We, cause because the fear of magic in this yeah, world. Yeah, because magic at, time, at this yeah. point in time in your world is like, oh, magic. Like, yeah. we don't arcane talk about magic. magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, arcane cool. magic is not cool. So we went to this place. We figured out, okay, we took the gold. Like, hey, no big deal, you know. And yeah, we were, we're like, do, anyway. do you have any idea who did this? And they were we like, we have to talk about what the armor was. So if yeah. you don't remember the stories, this was a while ago. This was a cursed item that it was yep. armor of arrow attraction. So yep. any arrow was shot off in a certain vicinity, instantly were attracted right to this wearer. armor. Yeah. Yep. And so we were like, we don't know what to do with this. We're not. We're just gonna lock it away for now. So we locked it away, it got stolen, and we, we kind of were like, okay, we need to investigate this because this is a big deal. Like, this is our armor, it's worth a lot. Did, we went to the authorities, right, and yeah, figured out... we went out, to the town guard. Basically, what you figured out was you figured out that there was a guard in the... It was an inside job, is what it was. It seems yeah. like it was an inside job. He disappeared the next day, uh, left without a trace, his house completely... They said arcane t- magic was involved arcane and stuff like that. Arcane magic was involved, they melted the vault, such like that and took this armor and so you guys for whatever decided, reason all right let's start at where we would normally start let's start at this guy's house yep. and it was now it's controlled by the lord of the town yep. and so you guys went and you were like all right well let's basically real estate agency and got shown around and you guys are like trying to like sneak and look while the real estate agent is like trying to show you guys it trying then, to find secret levers or compartments yeah. or whatever to find you out you couldn't find anything and eventually one i think it was you, it was you me, just yeah. like 
how much is this house? Yeah, I was like, how much is and this house? And it was like, for at this point of the adventure, you guys were like, I'm just going to buy yeah, it, man. It was, it was like 250 gold Something or something. And we were yeah. just like, all right, I'll just buy yeah, it. Yeah, already know? furnished everything. I think I had like 400 gold or something like that. I was like, I'll just, I'll just buy this yeah. house. Like, you know what? <laughs> no, no skin off no my No skin off my back. And I'm thinking too, I'm like, this could be the start of another Riders of Shemesh yeah, house, right? Halfway house. Like right, halfway house, said. yeah. Or something like that where people could just come and if they're traveling around, just mm-hmm. plop down. They're tired. They can stay here yeah. for a while. And we we started scouring this place like somebody because I asked him I was like do these places normally have like sellers or something like that she's like yeah they they do but a couple of them on this block don't and I was yeah. like okay instantly and I'm like she said, and she said yeah. this one doesn't I was like okay maybe it does yeah. and we're just not finding it right and so we started searching everything I think a couple of people went outside people were checking upstairs checking downstairs and like moving books on the bookshelf and I was just like okay are you there ripped any ripped that house apart we ripped it apart <laughs> and I was finally like okay are there any loose floorboards and yep. you were like okay after you search for a while you find a couple loose floorboards and there's a lever pulling up there's a lever yep it opens up the floor and that you can go down inside of it and we find this place it had a couple of it was like dingy and dark yeah. and small there were skulls on the skulls in the bookshelf, the bookshelf. There was a scythe there's black robes mm-hmm. and we were like okay do we know who Nurul is at this point? Do, yeah, do we as you players guys, now? Okay, so we're kind of like, okay, this is, this is weird, this yeah. is sketchy, this is Nurul S. We find on the table, it was a drawing of Sir okay. Patrick the douche, yeah, this, which this is this NPC is... that constantly comes around and every yeah. time he's just a jerk to us. Yeah, he's a, he's a knight of the city of, of the capital of yeah, Argonmore, Argonmore, but he's just kind of a douche. His was... name is not Sir Patrick the douche. That is what you guys have entitled him yeah. because... Because kind of a douche. Douche. yeah, <laughs> and he he at one point in time was known to lift our lapid friend up and like rub his feet for yeah. luck and stuff yeah. like that. And so he's just <laughs> he's just a grade a yeah he's a grade a douchebag. <laughs> so we we saw this and saw that he was it was a picture of him wearing the armor, wasn't it? with arrows like coming at him, yeah, or something like that. And there was well, a there dagger was, on the table yeah. too. Yeah, there was basically plans with the armor and stuff. Yeah, like that. yeah. So we were like, okay, this is not good for Sir Patrick. Like we hate him. But we don't hate him enough to have our own armor, and he's going to be wearing our armor. Yeah. So like, we got to get this. There wasn't back a from picture him. of him with the armor on. There's a picture of the arrows coming at the armor, basically showing what the armor does. Next and to there the was picture, a picture of him, Sir Patrick, with a knife through it. Yeah, yep. yeah. So there's a, there's this devious plan out there to kill Sir Patrick. Earlier in the campaign, this is another thing that I was thinking about for the Riders of Shemesh doing is making this place even bigger, right? Like a bigger hangout underneath. Yeah, and so what we figured out is Caleb's character is a druid, and what was the spell that he was using to turn the earth to like kind of almost like mud, like the dirt to mud? I don't remember what it was. I don't know, transmute. Yeah, some transmute, kind of transmute some tra- sort yep. of transmutation spell, and so he was like doing just a ton of dirt work every day when we were in the mines, like trying to find these gems. And I was like, what if we were to do <laughs> this from the cellar and build like because this city's well known for Oli Damara worship and just kind of trickster esque? I was like, what if we made an underground city under Clearborough. And it might even be just a specific place for the Riders of Shemesh, or it might be just a place where people can come and hang out like with secret exits that go outside of the city and stuff like that. I was like, Caleb, you can make this happen, can't you? Making like, this yep. making this conspiracy of the mass rider even bigger. Yeah. There would now be a conspiracy theory that if you did actually did it, that there was an underground city under Clearboro, which yeah. most people be like, ah, that's just a Whatever. conspiracy. Some conspiracies though Some aren't conspiracies true. Are true. Some conspiracies like the Mass Rider are not. Basically, I'm trying to make the Riders of Semesh something that's cemented in your world forever yeah. now is what I'm trying <laughs> to do. Do a good job. Yeah, good. Uh, but right. yeah, so you guys you guys uh found this place besides what you found, 
There was nothing to be else to be found. So yeah. you asked around, where is Sir Patrick? Where yeah. is Sir Patrick? Uh, you guys, from what you guys have heard at the tavern at the Lion's Den, he was there. He was saying, "I'm going to be in the games." Yeah, and gloating about the capital. Yeah. Like everybody's like, "Yeah, we know where he is." He went to Argamore for the games, yeah. the festival of the games, which is a holy weekend of cord. Yeah, uh, and so you guys set off for Argamore. You got there. He's not there. Yeah, he's we went to the guards. We went to the something. knights, something or other. Yeah, they're I, not you, telling you what what he's doing. Oh, but, he was out. I thought they said he had never arrived. No, he had arrived, and then he got at, went out on. Okay, some so specific he's specific. He's out mission. doing his thing, so we can't we can't actually find him. Mm-hmm. So we're like, okay, we need to hopefully find him before the games and say, don't wear this armor or whatever it is we're yeah. going to do because somebody's going to give it to him, or he's going to be charmed into wearing, or however he's going to get it on. We're like, okay. We need to stop this before it's actually going to happen. And so what you guys decided was the best course of action is you guys got a couple weeks before the games. Patrick's not here. I guess we'll just wait for the games and stop him before the games. Yeah. Because uh, he's going to well, be here we, for the games. We left a we note, too, didn't we, somewhere? Yeah. Uh, at one of the inns the, that said, you know, if you get back into town, we're here. We left here. a note with the, with the knights. With the knights that said, hey, we want to meet hey, here. Meet us here if you come back. We'll be here from 5 to 7 or whatever it was every day. And so my character was planning on being there. We were taking shifts saying, hey, you know, we're, we're here. We're available. Come and talk to us at this point in time. So you guys now have some time to kill. So you guys split up. Basically, Caleb's character, Groudhoof, meets up with this character we've talked about before, Wesley, Wesley Wonders. Wonders. He's he an says, arcane teach magician. Teach me to be a wizard. Yep. Teach me to be a magic user. And so Caleb finds this uh, little house this and goes in and there's this pocket of extra-dimensional space that basically turns into this huge... Basically, you know it's Snoopy's doghouse. Like, yeah, it turns into this yeah. huge place. That's basically what it does. Yep. And it's this big place where magicians, wizards, are able to practice their craft without being arrested because magic is not accepted at this yep. point in time in history. And so Caleb enters into this place and he's put under the... Becomes an apprentice essentially. It's like what it is uh, of these two characters, Rook and Alora, this married couple, and so now he's training with them. Yep. Your character decides he's going to go off. There's a a halfling uh, village. Yep. Which I'm from one up south. north in the in yeah. the world, and, that's and this way one too is far, far to south. travel to. So you're like, and it's right next to Thessia, where I originally wanted to go. The, yep. the country next door to yeah. Shemesh. And so with you're my missing brother. home, and this is the closest thing to home yep. you can get to at this point. You go to this halfling place. And you meet somebody there. Yeah, I met a little little halfling boy named Belligrin. I don't yep. know how he was like Belgrin eight or nine. Lightfoot. He was he was he was younger. He was young at yeah. that point in time. And so he just I didn't meet him right away. I just noticed that he was like following me around yeah. for a while. Like and I was like, Okay, what's up, buddy? Like what what do you, <laughs> what do you want? Kid? What do you want, kid? And he's like, Are you an adventurer? Yeah. And I, and so we got into this big long talk about, yeah, I'm an adventurer, this is where I've been, like and he asked me all these questions and I I just kind of had this like fond liking for him, and I was like, "Hmm, I wonder if he could be the person that takes over the Riders of Shemesh like once I'm older and can't do it anymore." And I was like, "He could be like the apprentice to this, and we could do some adventuring, and like I could train him to become the next masked White Rider of mm-hmm. the Riders of Shemesh." And so I talked with his parents because halflings aren't necessarily all about going out and adventuring and having weapons for their son. Probably yeah. wouldn't be a good idea, and this, that, and the other thing, and. So I went and talked with him, and I had this extra rapier that I wasn't going to use anymore since I got my, my hand axe, and it happened to be my brother's rapier who passed away years ago due to an orc attack in the north. And so my goal with my brother was always to get to Thessia with my character, and I had this extra sword. I was like, okay, I'm going to give it to him. I'm going to train him a little bit, promise him I'm going to come back, 
and we'll go to Thessia together and I'll train him to become the next leader of the Riders of Shemesh. And so I met him, we said goodbye, and he's like, you, you're gonna make sure you come back? Like, promise <laughs> you're gonna come back? Yeah. I was like, yeah, man, like, don't worry, I'm gonna come back. I'm gonna, I'm gonna come back and we're gonna go to Thessia <laughs> and figure out what's going on. Probably not till he's a little bit older, yeah. but I'll check back in with him and stuff well, like that. that. Was a, but that was a cool mode. I, you didn't really go into him or in-game, but the fact that you gave him your brother's rapier really, yeah. that shows a good connection for your character and uh, his character in game, just a connection between the two, you and an NPC, that giving him something that's precious to you, your brother's, your dead brother's rapier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was and now you have to set plans with him yep. in the yep. future. Yep, and then uh, we went back to the city. I got back to the city after this, and our group decided that we wanted to enter the games. Specifically. Yeah, you're here, it's yeah. happening, why not? Yeah, and... I decided, I was like, ah, I'm not good enough to do any of the other big brutish, brutish yeah. games, right? Like jousting, I was like, I'm a halfling. Yeah. I'm not going to win at jousting. Like, there's, there's like no archery, which, uh, which I'm not great at. Mark's Lapid signed yep, up his for. Lapid is going to do. Did you sign up for the athletics? I don't think you did, right? No, I did because I said I you wanted did. to, I, I said I didn't, yeah, sorry, oh, because I wanted to go and I wanted to scout out, see if I could find anything that was mysterious going yeah. on around this, see if I can't figure anything out about Sir Patrick the douche or the armor or whatever before mm-hmm. the game. So I was like, I want to be as available as I can before the games. We did, however, sign up for the team event, I think is what it was. Yeah. The monster slaying. Yeah, event. yeah. But before we could sign up for the team event, we only had three and you needed four people to sign up. And up until this point, you guys kept, you like, even out of a game, you guys were like, man, we need a meat shield, we man. Need, we need, we need something because we have a, a sorcerer or we have a, a, a druid. A ranger, yeah, a fighter, a, that's a, a ranger fighter type, that's a ranger yeah. type, and a rogue. Yeah. And we're both like, gosh, like there's been plenty of times where we're like, man, we could really use a meat shield because we're <laughs> going to die right now, you know? And so you guys are looking around trying to find people and nobody's wanting to join nobody's your ragtag, yeah. weird-looking group. Yeah. Halfling, Lapid, Great, Great Horn, Horn Seder, Seder. It's like, yeah, nobody wants to join you guys. Yeah. And then you guys kind of spot another outcast yeah. a half orc yep which half orcs are not half really orcs accepting. are he's, not really he's accepted. trying to get people to join him and allow him to join his team and you guys wouldn't go over to him and you talk to him this guy's name is torque the and he says my name is torque smasher of nice things yeah smasher of nice things yeah and you guys basically talk to him and you guys agree you get you join us and let's go into this monster slaying tournament together yep and we looked at his stuff and we were like okay it's not he's not way. gonna cut it with the yeah. equipment that he has so we went and bought him did we buy him like a great sword and some armor I think and a masterwork great sword and some i think you guys bought him banded mail yeah banded yeah. mail i think is what we bought him and so we we got him some nice stuff yeah uh, so that he could pump them up a little bit yeah pump them up so that he could better compete within the competition have a little bit better defensive ability against i'm assuming are probably going to be really good monsters within mm-hmm. this battle so we were like, okay, we just want to make sure that we can make it as far as possible. He can stay healthy, and that way we can possibly win this thing. My whole thinking behind this, too, once again, is if we win, the Riders of Shemesh will become really well-known, and go. that way people will want to join, and we'll have a headquarters yeah, a winner in must Ardenmore. be able to give a speech, right? Yeah, yeah. So I was like, man, if I can win this, if we can win this, the Riders of Shemesh will be forever cemented, at least... In Argonmore, in yeah. Shemesh. I was like, that'd be so cool. I well, would love that figure If this is the capital of the land, yeah. other places yeah. are going to hear about it. Yep. So, and so I'm excited about this NPC because 
we've just like I just kind of told you before we started recording what I my plans are for this. You guys need a meat shield. You want a meat shield. Things are only going to get harder after this point. Yeah. Uh, in game, so I well, said, out of character, we know we did something where the characters that we created for the evil side of the world yeah. are going to come back and find us, and we're like, yeah. oh crap, and we need a meat shield. There's yeah. four of them, and so you guys. Basically, what I'm going to do is say, all right, together you guys can create a, a character sheet for this mm-hmm. this character, this NPC. I control what he says, what he thinks, all that stuff. But then when it comes to battle, I'm going to say, all right, first battle of the night, Chris, you control him. Second battle of the night, all right, Mark, you control him. Third battle, Caleb. And then it just loops around again. And so he would be cemented in as an, an NPC that is, in battle, a PC for you guys. And whatever money gets divided between you guys are going to decide what are we going to spend it on. Yep. So it's basically this this clean slate of a, a meat shield, a fighter that you guys get to work with, and it gives you an NPC that you guys are going to be invested in for yeah. sure because he's he's, he's going much to be protecting needed. you guys. Yeah. And I'm excited to see where that goes. We'll talk about Torque, Smasher of Night things more and talk about how that goes in when we talk about how the future adventures in my campaign go. But yeah, I'm excited for Torque. Yeah, I am too. And I think that's all we have for story time today. Yeah, right? it was a little bit long of a story time, but we knew that we had a little bit more time on this episode. Yep. So hope you guys enjoyed it. That was a lot of stuff that we covered. And tonight, Chris, we're going to start to play your campaign. So look forward to more stories from Chris's campaign in the future. Yep. But with that, let's get to the meat. They've been asking for their mail on a daily basis. It's all they're talking about up there. That right there is the mail. Now let's talk about the mail. Can we talk about the mail, please, Mac? I'm dying to talk about the mail for you all day, okay? All right, welcome to another edition of the Mailbag of Holding, which it will be basically the entire entirety of this issue or this uh, this podcast. So uh, this is the place where we share ideas, stories, and questions from you, the listener. So let's just jump right in. Our first email that we're going to be looking at today is from Philip Mainprize, and he writes to us a bunch of questions and just is basically telling us all of the ideas of what he's going through as he builds races in his world. His email was entitled, Races! Ah! (laughs) So uh, we're going to talk about what, we've already responded to him, but there's some really good stuff in this email. We wanted to bring it to uh, this episode to kind of talk about so we can all benefit benefit from it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So one of the first questions that he brings up when he wants to, when he talks about races is, uh, he says uh, that, this is from one a part of his email. I like the standard fantasy fantasy stuff. I am considering removing Tifling slash Demonkin and Half Orc as a playable options as a race. They just don't fit with the way my fantasy world works. Is that okay? How should I handle players who want to play those races? So in his world that he's creating, he's creating his own world. He doesn't want to have Tiflings and Demonkin and Half Orcs as a playable race. He's uh, he said later, after the conversation, that at the very least, half-orcs and orcs, they exist in his world. Yeah. It's not that they don't exist, but that he is really inspired by uh, Tolkien's yep. um, world of Middle-earth and Melkor, if you know who that is. And orcs or if just you know being, him as Morgoth. Or yeah, whatever, yeah, orcs just being strictly super evil. Yeah. And so he doesn't want to have players playing half orcs that have kind of broken away from that or orcs that are broken. that, that want to pursue wants, the betterment of the world and everything like that yeah, yeah he wants it to be almost like it seems like he just wants that black and white tolkien orcs are bad we can kill orcs without just having any kind of like bad feelings because they are an evil evil yep. race 
And so his question is, is that okay not to have that be a playable race or the Tiflings? Is that okay? And both of us would profoundly answer, yes, that is more than okay in your world. I think it just, uh, as far as what you want in your world, it, it, if it doesn't fit in your world, if you are really inspired by Lord of the Rings, I think, I think orcs in most people's minds, that's where they think of orcs from, that orcs are simply, they're just, they're straight up evil. And if it doesn't fit, don't, don't try and make it fit just because your players want to. And I misunderstood this email the first time we got it. I thought he was talking about there aren't going to be orcs or tieflings at all. Like mm -hmm. they just weren't going to be there. And that's, that's not the case with what he was talking about. He's just simply saying, yeah, I don't want them to be playable characters. And like I said in, in the first emails, I said, there are staples like in any fantasy world at this point in time. It's going to be hard for people to, to kind of cope with the fact that if you don't have orcs there, there's no orcs. And I think the fact that they're still there, that's a little bit easier for people to cope with. You know, the fact that it's like, okay, we know that they're specifically evil only. I don't think people will feel so bad about not being able to play as orcs. But I think if you took them out altogether, that would be a little bit more difficult, I would think. I mean, do you think that would be a little bit more difficult to handle if you took them out altogether? I think maybe for a cert for the certain player. I think that's, that's a very individualistic problem. Yeah. Um, but... Really, it's like when you make your own world, if that's something that you don't want in your world, it's your world and you should make it the way you want to make it. I have done very, very little work besides kind of start a map for it, but I've already started a world beyond Atos that in that world, I've, I'm like, all right, Atos is Atos. If I'm going to make a new world, I want it to be super different. Yeah. And so there are, the races are way different. And there aren't any orcs. There's a race that are kind of like the Kunari from the Dragon Age series. Uh, I haven't played they're, any of that. They're so. basically the evil race. But okay. yeah, it's, it's, um, I would say that really, I would say it's totally okay either way. If it's something that you just don't want orcs, or if you don't want your players to be orcs because you want them totally evil, that that's something that's okay because you're the one building the world and it should you shouldn't let your creative juices be stopped by but i want the strength bonus of the orc like that should not be it now yeah like i i think you make a good point with what if like and that's i think one of his worries when he asks what do i do with a player who wanted to play like a half orc like yeah wanted yeah. that bonus and and what we told philip main prize is that he really shouldn't even have that problem because he's doing a lot of work and we'll continue on with this email and tell you about it but he's doing a lot of work on homebrewing different kinds of races and stuff um so he's giving them plenty more options but i think that is the point like if you have a player who's really set and really wants to play an orc or whatever race it is in your world that you don't want them to be able to have as a playable race uh, i think the first step would be talk to that player and figure out why do you want to be an orc or whatever it is? Right. Uh, and, you know, I'm thinking, what would be a reason that somebody would want to play an orc? Uh, I want to be really strong. <laughs> yeah. I want to be the dumb brute. I want to, I know I'm boxing orcs in right yeah, now, yeah. but that's what sure. I think of when I think of an orc. And giving them other options and maybe helping them instead of just being like, nope, can't be an orc. Like, 
pick something else, like trying to lead them in a direction and using what they want in that orc kind of character and trying to lead them in maybe like, well, maybe you'd like to play this race or maybe like this is like along the lines of what you're doing. Play a big, strong human that's dumb if you want to play yeah, <laughs> a sure, dumb brute. Sure. Like there's plenty of humans that are, sure. I've met plenty of humans that are just as dumb as an orc. Yeah, so. <laughs> and, and, and we'll talk about this a little bit later in the, in the podcast in more depth, but you can also, when you start a campaign... You can give specific parameters as far as what you can play that that campaign to. And it might be one of those things that if you give them only specific ones that they can play, it's almost like out of sight, out of mind, maybe. You know, you need, mm-hmm. if you don't if you don't have the option, it's kinda of just like, well, we don't it's not really there. I'm not really focusing on it at all. Maybe I'll play something different, you know. So it may some be something that you have to deal a lot with, and maybe something that you have to deal very little with depending on, on who your players are. Next part of his email that he went on to say after the orc and typhling was he uh, was talking to us a little bit more about how he wanted to add anthropomorphic creatures into his campaign. And and just to list a few of them, we're not going to get into all the nitty-gritty details about you know what he said that each class was proficient in and everything like that. We're just going to list them off and, and share what we think a little bit more about anthropomorphic creatures and how we've used them in the past. And uh, So he's got like deer folk is one, bison folk, squirrel folk, bear folk, fox folk, canine folk, and rhino folk were the ones that he was specifically focusing on and and personally i like the idea of having anthropomorphic creatures mitch i know you've added a few into i have uh, your last campaign yeah yeah Um, and i have i have probably about nine right now that i've mm -hmm. made uh you guys haven't seen any of them yet Mm -hmm. in my campaign but uh, yeah i've added about nine of them and i really like the fact of having anthropomorphic creatures because i think when you add them in it's kind of like that little bit of that's a that's so cool that you know, there's a there's a deer walking around that's actually talking. It's not just simply, you know, grazing out in the pasture or whatever, out in the forest eating something. You know, you see a, a big old bison. I know you played a bison folk in, in my campaign before he tragically got burnt to a crisp by a, a, a dragon. Yeah. But that was it was it was pretty cool to uh, to see some of those anthropomorphic creatures walking around and it adds kind of a touch of flair to to a campaign a little bit. And when bit, we talk about these creatures, they're not like it's it's not just a a deer walking around that talks like it's not right. narnia that we're right. talking about right. although if that's what you want to take as an idea go for it but these are a mix between if they're humanoid animals they such have as intelligence a, yeah, they a, have a, yeah. if a deerkin would be would stand up on its two legs and probably have some sort of hands instead of hooves to be able to grasp weapons but be covered completely in fur yeah. and have a deer's head and that kind of thing. One of the things I uh, I wrote to Philip about that I love about this when I'm creating these for my world is having uh, their their societies, their cultures be based off of the creature in the real world that we are in today. So like yeah. in my world, the bear, anthropomorphic bears, the bear kin, quote unquote, are known as the Bjorns or the Ursas. Yeah. And they will hibernate for the winter. <laughs> like They'll just go to sleep for like three months. And then the Lupins in my world, which are wolves, they are very pack-like. And so you can take aspects of the real creature and put them into um, your world. And that's the way their culture, their society is. And it makes a very distinct people group. And I really, really like that idea. Yeah, instead of simply just having it's like, there's a bear walking around. We don't know much about his culture mm-hmm. or anything like that. It's like that makes good sense to me to say, yeah, this bear, 
likes to sleep a lot or you know if it doesn't completely hibernate it sleeps for much longer periods throughout the day at least you know yeah uh during the winter months it sleeps for 15 hours instead of the regular eight or something hashtag magic mark is playing a lapid in my current campaign which is a rabbit folk and he is constantly basically has ocd is always uh, or not ocd uh, add Yeah, yeah he's always just like He's very curious. He's looking for the, the next new shiny thing and jumping around. And he's yep. very energetic. And yeah, and then you go along with if you're going to make homebrew classes for these, having the the stats of those creatures mm-hmm. be what those creatures are and reflect what those creatures are, uh, such as the Lapid race has a, they can use Expedious Retreat once per day. And the if you make a Rhino King or a Rocks, having them have their their horn be a a natural weapon and getting feats yeah. on char- like maybe they already get uh the charging feats already something within that's, their race yeah, just instilled in them yeah yeah um i really i really like anthropomorphic animals and races in my world yeah you you in my world it's kind of the east side of the world has a lot and that's kind of their side the beast folk yep. on that side and then the the western world is uh very human focused and Two various different separate worlds. Are yours kind of all mixed in, or is mine are kinda... mine are more mixed in right now? Yeah, um, I have one right now that's pretty cool that I'm working on. Uh, it's a chameleon folk. I don't know oh, if I told cool. you about that at all, but it has a special ability that once a day, depending on what its level is, it can change shape. So like once per day per level. So you add like your level five, you can change for five hours per day into whatever creature that you want or need to change into at that point in time. And I might change it so that it's only a half hour per level because once you get up to like 10th level, it's like, oh, you can change into whatever you want for 10 hours. It's like, that might be a little bit long, a little (laughs) bit broken. But so I I might change it to like, you can change into a half hour per level into whatever you want as a chameleon folk. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited. I think it's going to be in my next campaign as a playable character. So something to think about, Mitch. Yeah. to play as so uh the last thing we have to talk about with this is uh dm main prize had a sweet idea he said he might do a a campaign where all of his players choose beast folk or beast kin or animal kin or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. them and what happens is it'd be early on in his his world's history and i think he said that they would basically that race would die off so say there was like they would play a buffalo kid and a lion kid and everything like that they die off that race but those races end up being gods of a future a future future people society kind of he said like kind of like egyptian gods like they were all very animal based and the players in that campaign would end up being yeah i think what he was said too earlier in the in the in the email was that the things that happened in that campaign would shape Mm -hmm. the stories of what we're told for like the sacred texts yeah. and stuff like that, other people, which I think is and that's, a really cool we've idea. We've talked about like having your players' characters shape the world that mm-hmm. you've created. Not you know that gives them this that gives them this great feeling and this great interest in what's going to happen in your world, and they become more yeah. interested and more drawn into your stories and your world. And I think that's a really great idea of how to do that. I think if you keep world. that type of thing. Like so that your players don't know that they're gonna turn into gods later. Yeah, I think that would be really cool for them to see. Like, yeah, a big reveal, like a campaign later or two campaigns later, where you run into somebody. It's like, why am I worshiping this bear folk that's no longer here in this world? 
but that looks oddly familiar like my character yeah. back in the day. And then it's finally like, oh my gosh, that is so cool. And they're telling stories around fires of like, you know, this is this is who this bear folk slaughter like slew in battle or something like that. And it's part of the sacred text and they have, you know, chance. I think that'd be super cool. Yeah, or even you end that campaign with a kind of epilogue thing where you say, all right, well, all your characters are dead, but it doesn't have to be long. It's just, you know, you say 100 years from now or 10,000 years from now or whatever. However long you <laughs> what, However long it is. Yeah. You just describe like a future civilization and they're working on a huge, like four huge statues or how many players you have. And then you almost describe it in a movie sense of like, you like pan out and you see these four statues and you describe the player characters and all the people like bow down, like yeah, start yeah. saying hail to this person, yeah. hail to this person. When you said It'd four statues, sweet. I was thinking of Mount Rushmore where you have four like heads <laughs> there on the mountain. Go. You can do that too. <laughs> hey, that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> and another part of Philip's email, he told us about how he is making the blights from the Marvel universe from guardians of the galaxy into a playable race. Uh, if you remember, I am Groot. <laughs> this yeah. is that race. And so Groot he wants to blight. make a blight-like race for his world. And so one of the things he asked was like, uh, what do you think about that? How do you tie that into a fantasy campaign? And we both were like, that's a sweet that's idea. Like, cool. that's cool. Like, who doesn't want to play Groot? Like, that's yeah. awesome. And one of the things that I threw out was like, you could have them be related to either the Ents, the tree Ents of the world, yep. just a smaller version, a more medium-sized version or I even said, what if they're the male counterpart to dryads? Yeah, um, that's he, true. He really liked the, the dryad the dryads, idea. Yeah. It makes oh. a little bit more sense. It's easier to come up with some sort of story as to how they got there, too. Because mm -hmm. if you're like, you're just a runt of a tree end, that doesn't sound as good, I think, in my mind, uh, having to come up with some elaborate well, backstory. Well, I don't, I don't think it, it would be a runt of a tree end. It would be like a sub-race. Yeah, yeah. Um, sure. But yeah, so which makes it which makes sense for it to be the male counterpart of a, yeah. Of a dryad, yeah. Yeah, I I also would. I'm just thinking off the top of my head, like there's never really also a problem with, in my opinion, bringing aliens into D and D. Yeah. Uh, if you know anything about D and D lore, like mind flayers are primarily thought. There's like six different origin stories for yeah, mind yeah. flayers, but a lot of people think that mind flayers. Or aliens, like yeah. it's it's about the way you bring it in. Yeah. I don't personally want to see a flying saucer. Yeah, like, no, like not you the, see in the crappy sci-fi movies. Not the typical in my UFO D &D style, game, yeah. But aliens are not exactly, in my opinion, untouchable in a fantasy world. It just has to be done in the right way. Well, it can be done in a way that you don't even say that they're aliens mm -hmm. either. Um, well, what happens if uh, a meteor lands uh, and the blights or whatever you want to name them in your world came from this meteor? Like there's plant life growing on this meteor and they come off of it and yeah you know it evolves over time or whatever that'd yeah. be pretty sweet yeah, that'd but, be pretty cool but we thought that was a pretty cool idea i am groot marvel for life so uh <laughs> lastly one of the things that i kind of threw out as an idea for when you're working on races in your world we i started this idea in this campaign i'm doing currently was i have i'm building a binder full of my own world's races and and taking even the races that are from the D&D &D books, humans and stuff like that, and writing up lore for them so you can go, all right, I'm going to be a human this campaign. Let me read up what this book says on how humans are in Atos and everything. And so one of the ideas that I had was coming up with 
each campaign you do setting specific races. So for whatever land you're playing in in your world, if it's a desert land that you're going to play in, having the races that you can choose, maybe pick like 10 races, 15, whatever you want to do, be races that are the most dominant in that area. Yeah. If it's a make rainforest. Them, make them pretty yeah. specific to it because it, it only makes sense mm-hmm. that... And that's a, that, that allows you as the DM to come up with, say, here, you have your, you have a good pick of a variety of races. I'm going to explain to you how these races interact with the setting that we're going to play in. So they get very lore specific on what the races, who the races are. And it also allows you to, while you're playing that campaign, then work on the next campaign's races and not be like, oh man, we're going to play a new game tomorrow. Uh, I better put together 55 races for yeah. my players to choose yeah. from. I think it's a good idea. Yep. So thank you, Philip Main Prize, for that email and for giving us content for this episode. Let's move on to the next email. All right, so we, we literally just got this email in not too long ago uh, from James, who you're lucky because you got it into us right as we were about to start recording. And so it says it, it – a mailbag episode question where he says this is going to be improvisation as you record so that's what we're gonna do we're gonna (laughs) we're gonna see how this goes uh and and so he says i'm going to give you an improv challenge where you have to come up with a name and backstory based on the class race etc combinations i provide and so we have not looked we have not looked at it i i i scrolled down i'm scared i will i will admit (laughs) i scrolled down because i didn't quite understand what was going on and i saw three things i was like oh gotta go back up so i didn't see what they were you have an upper Uh, hand to me chris uh, I know that there's three things below. I, know. I don't know what they actually are. Uh, but he says, in all caps, because it is improvisation, do not read past this point until you record. I broke that because I didn't know what was going on. He's going to so, have to internet slap you. He, Yeah, he can. He can He can do whatever he wants. So here's the first one. I'm going to scroll down slowly so I don't... So so just so I understand, we're oh, giving... Oh, he has, he has another he's section that says... a couple things, and we're going to come up with... Basically, if we were making a character yep, a name, or an NPC. Yep, a name and backstory name based on the class, backstory. race, etc. All and right. then he has about halfway down, don't read until the show, as okay. if he didn't trust us to scroll all the way down. <laughs> all right, first one is a lawful neutral half-orc monk. Lawful neutral So we have to come up with a name monk. and backstory of a lawful neutral half-orc monk. All right. I actually just played a half-orc monk so I kind of <laughs> in, in one of your campaigns, you did, so this you isn't did. quite fair It was not me. lawful neutral. No, it was not um, lawful neutral. All right, you want to go first or you want me to go uh, first? You can go first if you okay, want. Okay, a lawful neutral well, half- Okay, so are we, Are we? so do we want to come up with this together or are we each coming up with, with different? Um, Chris, maybe you want to scroll down really quick and see how many there are. Don't look, but just... There's only there's only two more. Okay, there's three. Uh, Let's each come up with them. Okay. Let's each come up with them. Uh, So we'll we'll try not to make it too long. Okay, so a lawful, neutral, half-orc monk. All right, well, I think, how does a half-orc become a monk? Not by, he has not embraced his Please don't take my idea. I have an idea. He has not embraced his orc side, clearly. Um, At the very least, he he doesn't want to embrace his orc side. So he's, and he's he's going lawful in this one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He is trying to escape the demons of his past whatever it was whatever tragedy it took place that he became a half orc maybe uh he was raised i'm gonna say he was raised by his mother uh and the way he became a half orc is not exactly the best kind of way if you know what i'm saying Mm. um and so he has nothing but hatred in his heart for orc kind and so he is trying to get as far away 
from that as possible. Perhaps in the story, his mother dies, and that is why he's he's taken in by a monastery of monks and trained up in the ways of uh, martial arts. Or maybe it's a, a monk who doesn't... Yeah, maybe it's like a more English Friar Tuck kind of monk. <laughs> Go with the class, right? So he's. A, I can he's... just imagine this monk with like this half, like right? this, this hair with a with um, balding in the top. Yeah, so I'm gonna say that he's he's trying to escape uh, the demons of his past of being uh, being an orc. I'm kind of going along with Philip's idea of what sure, orcs are, sure. and so uh, lawful neutral. I don't know if there's much more I can say on that off the top of my head. All right, Chris. That's that's all I got. That's all I got. You <laughs> go right. for it. Uh, so my oh, did you come up with a name? Oh, a name. That's what I knew. I was forgetting yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, he was not one of the things that he didn't have to cope with was his mom wasn't going to name him an orc name because she's a human. So his name is Brian Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Smith, I, the lawful <laughs> neutral. Half orc. I was hoping you monk. were gonna say Brian Fantana. <laughs> like, oh, gosh. Yeah, his his uh, the the woman's like husband was a smithy and he died before, and so even more tragic, she was a widow when this terrible event sure. happened in her life. Sure. Okay. Uh, I I have an idea in the in the top off the top of my head of this this orc. Uh, it's it, you know this orc they think. Uh, he was dropped off at a monastery at a young age. Uh, his mother didn't want him, didn't want anything to do with him, dropped him off. Uh, his mother was a human, didn't want anything to do with him. Uh, they were poor kind of farmer folk who lived on the outskirts of a major city that was raided by orcs. Uh, and she was uh, defiled, we'll say, by the, the orcs that, that came and raided the place. And she became pregnant with this child that she wanted nothing to do with. And because she didn't want anything to do with it, she dropped it off at a monastery where the monks took him in and began to raise him to be a monk, obviously. Uh, he was he was um, nicknamed Iron Fist at a very young age, and they didn't know what his name was because he didn't want to be fought by a lot of the youngsters that were in the monastery because he hit with fists like iron because of his strength bonus as a half-orc, obviously. And because uh, he likes Marvel Comics. And because he likes Marvel Comics, <laughs> yes. Uh, and his first name, we will say, is uh, Adel. Adel? Adel, nickname Iron, Iron Fist. Fist. Yep, that's what I came up with. Sound good for that one? All right, sounds good. All right, let's uh, scroll down to the next one. A chaotic, good dwarf ranger slash rogue multi-class. Oh my gosh, there's so much information <laughs> to intake while you're trying to be creative. All right, so... Chaotic good. Chaotic good dwarf ranger slash rogue multi-class. Dwarf ranger slash multi-class. <laughs> yeah, dwarf, dwarf ranger, ranger rogue. Okay. All right, Chris, you got first one All on right. this, dude. <laughs> so I uh, I have this idea of a dwarf who uh, is smaller than most of his other dwarf kin from a very young age. He never liked to be in the, the pits brawling with his brothers who... Uh, always partook in a lot of wrestling matches and, and everything that a lot of dwarfs that are rough and tumble like to do. He doesn't like to keep his beard long for stealth reasons, so he keeps it quite trimmed, quite short, which is also very different from a lot of the dwarf uh, kin of his of his hometown. Uh, he doesn't wear the heavy iron armor that he does. He wears the typical uh, either leather or, or, or cloth armor. And he carries around a little hand crossbow that he had specially made because he's a... He's a, he's a ranger, yes, so he has his bow, but for closer encounters, he uses poison-darted arrows uh, that are 
quite deadly uh, for his rogue multi-class. Uh, as far as a name, gosh, I don't know what his name could be. Um, I don't know. Come back to me on the name part. Mitch, what do you got for oh, backstory? Come on, name for yeah. it. Name for uh, it. Come on. All right. <laughs> suck at coming up with names on the spot <laughs> that might be the hardest part of this. I, seriously it is I'm fine with coming up with stories on the back side, <laughs> on the off the top of my head but it's it's the names that I'm just like where's my random like dwarves too. Where's, I know I, well I thought about doing like Balfrin but that's already mine that I use it's like I can't steal my own uh, and then I do like we've said in past podcasts all of my all of my He's other characters stalling. I am I'm trying to come up with something in my mind uh, let's see <laughs> oh gosh maybe I'm just gonna have to go <laughs> yeah you're gonna have to go <laughs> alright alright Chris you failed that one <laughs> yeah. I, okay so what happened was this dwarf uh, called Ogrin Chainbreaker um, was born in normal dwarf society uh, but he grew up underground and nobody could ever figure out what was wrong with him because he he didn't he didn't want to speak. He didn't feel comfortable ever. He just hated. Uh, he didn't even know what was wrong with him, but he always felt afraid, always felt out of place. Until one day when uh, he went on a uh, with an exploration group that uh, had to go to the surface and he never ever felt more free in his life. Uh, what Ogren was dealing with for the first 16 years of his life was claustrophobia and <laughs> he could not live underground the first dwarf who could not live underground and so when he reached the surface he felt more free than ever and this was a big theme in Ogren's life he uh, was focused on freedom he came into contact with the worship of old Damara and he loved uh, the idea of being free and um, seeking out uh, different pleasures and uh, so he he loved being out in the open because this was he could not be in confined spaces so he turned to the ways of an explorer and being a ranger and a ranger right that's what it was yeah, yeah ranger, ranger rogue multi-class but he also wanted to be a rogue um, because he he took on the scout kind of uh, aspect of his dwarf clan and so he would go and he would be a a messenger for his dwarf clan to uh, say if they need to travel uh, to a, another uh, human town and discuss with them different uh, treaties and such. He'd be the one to go and maybe scout it out ahead of time. And so that claustrophobia played a big part in his life and uh, got him to where he is today. Chainbreaker, breaking the chains of nice. Yeah, see, nice. All right. I had a little bit of time to think about. Yeah, what you, were you talking, did. So. You did. I all stole right. not only for my sake, but for I'll your go, sake. I'll go with the next one. So, all right, all right. You ready? Oh, gosh. I don't know. This one <laughs> oh, even, this even harder, isn't it? There's uh, so much stuff. It's not, he gives us. it's not. It's not hard. It's just really funny. It's a. It's a neutral evil gnome barbarian. Okay, neutral, which is neutral evil evil gnome barbarian. Gnome oh, barbarian. you almost played something like. I played a gnome barbarian back in the day because I had uh, the twin brothers, mm -hmm. didn't we? Me and me and Tyler played okay. the twin brother gnome barbarians. All right, so gnome, you got this first. Oh, names, man. No, I'm just gonna start with a name. But gnomes in my world are have ridiculous names. Um, so uh, we're gonna name this gnome Baldwin. Baldwin. <laughs> 
You're mouthing a bunch of things. Baldwin Battlebringer <laughs> the third. <laughs> the third. Baldwin Battlebringer the third uh, was a gnome uh, barbarian. Is it just gnome, gnome? barbarian? Neutral, neutral, neutral evil. evil. Yeah. Um, and so uh, Baldwin grew up in regular gnome society again, uh, but he was the bully uh, of all the kids, uh, standing uh, at a whopping. Taller gnome children. I don't know. <laughs> Standing at a Six whopping uh, one foot tall. <laughs> he was the tallest of his gnome uh, little kids, and he would just he would beat up all the other gnome little kids as a young age. All the uh, gnome teachers, and uh, they just had the hard, mo- the most terrible time with Baldwin. Just he was Baldwin. They, they nicknamed him Baldwin the Bully. Um, that's what he was named. Gotcha. Um, and so he, uh, one of Baldwin's things when he was a kid was uh, he would break into, even when it wasn't arts and craft time, he would break into the uh, supply closet and take all the paint and smear it over his body. I thought you were going to say start take... huffing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, he would do that too. No, he'd break into the art supply closet, break open all of the uh, the paint. And Did he dip the other gnome girl's hair pigtails? No, into the ink? he didn't. But he would get completely <laughs> naked and oh. paint his whole entire body. He particularly liked red, and he would run around the room. Um, and the teachers just he got expelled, uh, which led to him not getting a proper it, uh education, and so he didn't learn ever how to read. Hence, being illiterate. Um, mm. so uh, just. Not being able to read, being in gnome society where they are all about uh, making businesses and getting knowledge. Baldwin uh, kind of grew up to be, can I say this? Can I say white trashy? <laughs> like, uh, so he kind of just lived in like a little, Baldwin lived outside of uh, the gnome society and just did not, he's, his interactions with gnome society became less and less, except he would break into uh, the village and continue to break into the school and steal um, arts and supply crafts. Even when he's at like the 40. age of <laughs> at the age of thirty, which one day he just they it just broke the the principal was like, dude, this they went to the mayor. This guy's a thirty year old man running around the school naked with paint all over him. <laughs> um, we need to get rid of them. He got thrown out of his gnome uh, group and his gnome society. And now his heart is just blackened by it. And he actually hates every single gnome besides himself and will go up and try to kill gnomes if they try to bother him. He lives, he's, he's more secluded now. He lives in, uh, he lives right near uh, the dark woods. That's, that's he's, my story. Oh, okay. He's like a, he's like a hermit gnome now? <laughs> yep, yep. Okay. <laughs> he's like, uh, he's like the uh, crazy Pete guy that lives, just like, uh, he like rides through town and like yeah, nobody ever talks to him. He isn't, he's not only does he have a bad education, but he doesn't have every, uh, all of his marbles, we'll say. So, <laughs> all right. literally, it's probably, figuratively. It's probably all the paint that he was huffing as a child, <laughs> painting himself naked. He's, he literally has a bag of marbles that only has three marbles. Mm. In. All right. Baldwin, uh, Battle Bringer, I think I said. Nice. All right, Chris. All right. Uh, my gnome's name is an evil, a neutral evil gnome barbarian uh, who he, uh, his name is Glare <laughs> Glitter Cole. Glitter cool. Oh my gosh, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I gave you so much time. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Glare. Oh wait. What is the what is Glitter the... gold? Yeah, I know That's that part. I know that part. Yeah. That's why I modeled that part after cuz he's not quite as nice as well, I like that idea glittering coal. <laughs> glitter coal, yeah. 
so he he was uh, from a very young age. He was he was picked on for a while uh, as a child, and then after a couple of days or a couple of months of this happening, he he realized that he wouldn't take it anymore. And this is where the barbarian rage comes into play. Uh, and one day he got cornered uh, outside of his house. His parents were were gone. They were they were off working in the back uh, in the in the shed that they have and. Some of these like other gnome and halfling little children that lived around the area decided to start to pick on him, and and uh, ever since that day, uh, he, since he discovered his rage, he gave each of them uh, like, have you ever seen The Simpsons before, where the bully picks on um, what's the what's the the kid's name uh, Bart? He ties him yeah. to the the pole and goes, ha ha, yeah, ha ha. <laughs> That's kind of what he did to all of these children. He like tied them all to the fence posts outside of their houses. And just left them there completely naked outside of their house. Uh, and ever since then, he uh, what he's been known to do since then is he would go around the town. And he just, he didn't like people having really nice things outside of their houses. So like any of their like uh, gardening stuff or any of like their nice like fences or whatever they did to their house, he would always just defile them in some way. Uh, <laughs> whether, yeah, whether that would be peeing on them or doing other things, stomping on them, pulling out the carrots. Uh, what he was also known to do was pull out some of the, the vegetables from each of the gardens and he had his own like shack play, or this not a shack but his own like little area in the town square that he would sell other people's like crops that they had each raised for them uh, and so he was just kind of like he's just kind of a naughty little gnome I guess for most of his life uh, I didn't quite get to come up with a whole older self story like 30 year old naked man <laughs> almost pedophilish running around the school area as a I gnome, also but... real just realized that uh Baldwin Battlebringer has the exact same face as Alec Walt Baldwin so <laughs> picture that Are you sure it's not his brother <laughs> no oh, okay, not his okay, brother. Okay. so yeah known barbarian he uh yeah that's that's glare what was his name? glitter uh, glare. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that, who was that from? That was from uh, James Jackal Dewhurst. All right. Well, thanks, James, for that difficult <laughs> that a, job. That was a fun little fun challenge. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's get on to some other emails. Yes. So on Twitter, uh, we're asked by Alex Lindley, DM's block, is there any secret to make sure your PCs have a valid enough reason to stay together? So the players their characters in your campaign are having issues with staying together for whatever reason it is. Motivations are different. Characters are clashing. Uh, how, as a DM, do we keep them together? So, Yeah, I don't know if there, it's necessarily like a, if there's like one specific secret, I guess, that, that helps characters stay together. But, I, I mean, I guess we can share some things that we've done in the past yeah. to to help uh, promote togetherness and that you guys are all on the same mission together. And I, I'll share from my, my, my campaign I'm doing now, the specific thing that I did is I started you guys off as, as friends who grew up in the same city for past, I think the longest or the least amount of time that somebody had been in the city was 15 years. And I think that was um, Caleb's character that mm -hmm. the, uh, the, or the whatever kind of, I forget what Diabolus. he was on. The, the Diabolus type creature. Yeah. And you guys, you guys started out as friends. Your 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 fathers were all on the city council together. They they had known each other their whole lives. They had all grown up in the city. Uh, and you guys were just because your fathers were friends. Your your mothers did motherly things together. You guys just always knew who each other were. You were just best friends growing up. 
And so it was, it almost set the stage for no matter what was going to happen, big or small, you guys just had each other's backs, regardless of if one person was selfish or one person wasn't or whatever group dynamics you have, you guys just genuinely cared about each other. You guys had been friends for 20, 25 years, 15 years, 10 years, however, however long you guys have been around for it. I think in my campaign, that's created more unity than, than disunity because there really wasn't anything that you guys would face that would be like, well, I'm not going to go on that because that doesn't affect me at all. Well, no, it, it does in reality because it's going to affect your friend. It's going to affect how your friend's doing. And so therefore you guys want to be together. You want to stay together. And right from, you the, want... from the get-go of your campaign, one of the, the biggest motivators was all of our fathers were being charged for a crime yeah. that we knew they didn't commit. And so as their sons, we were all like, we got we to prove, prove their innocence. innocence. Yeah. And so, and some of, yeah, so we right away were, we were drawn into it. Not even the fact of having backgrounds together already, but we had, we all had vested interest in trying to help someone else, an NPC that we cared about, family yeah. in this case. Yeah. Well, and even after that, you guys, after you figured out what the cause was and you got everybody off, you guys kind of felt compelled to be like, well, there's bigger things that we have to take care of now, yeah. you know, that this can't be happening to other people now. And so there was just a... It was well, just we, a, we became criminals together. Yeah, you became criminals became, together after not, that. Yeah, not that we were actually bad people. You weren't people. actually we bad were, people. The law was it just, it corrupted. Circumstances, yeah. The yeah. law of the, of the country that you were in had, had become to go corrupted. Had run together, yeah. had allies together. But yeah, yeah like this idea of family, having the, car the PCs uh, begin as all being part of the same family... It doesn't need to be immediate family or whatever, but being part of the same family, being friends from the beginning, being business partners, being in the same guild, being in the same clan, whatever it is, you can have them from the get-go be part of the same group. And that are that gives them an anchor right from the beginning. We right. talked about it way back in episode two. Uh, character creation nights and that's a perfect time to sit down before you even play talk about who the characters that they're going to be playing are and how they connect with each other right. it's good for players to sit down and even come up with backstories together and how each other's characters affected each other's backgrounds yep. uh, that's a great thing to do we we think that giving them the same kind of goals because there most characters will have independent goals but giving right. them the same kind of goals together giving them even like in my campaign now all of your guys are uh, focused on a goal you're not even sure what the goal is but you're working on this big quest and now you as a player have given them a, a basically a, a writer's guild that they're all now a part of and that's another yeah. anchor that throws in why are these guys together yeah and it's something that you guys will continue on now with giving them we've talked about on the villains episode how a villain can draw your characters together villains equal hate for way. a villain yeah. you could have a group that really doesn't get along with each other but if they hate somebody else they're even all more, going to set the enemy of my enemy aside. is my friend yeah, yeah like we'll work with this guy to take this other guy down yep those are all some really basic ways to give a group motivation to stay together now there is a part of this that i really wanted to talk about when when I read this question right away, yeah, I, I think thought, both of us had this pretty yeah. similar thought about this. So. Uh, there is a misconception that gr a group staying together, a group of PCs staying together, is the dungeon master's job to keep a group together. And I'm not saying that that's false. However, it is just as much the player's jobs 
to come up with motivations and reasons for them to stay together as it is the dungeon masters. Um, I've had uh, actual players in my game say, you need to figure out how you can get these, like how you can get my character to continue on with this group. And I've had players who have said that when the reason that they've been saying that is their character is a just a complete and total jerk and they steal from the other players and they betray the other players and like i've just had to come around and say to some people like uh no that's your problem now like i can't undo what you've done to piss off both players and characters this is not my fault this is something you've done yourself and you shouldn't create a character that's at fault with the rest of the group like it's it's not gonna work so sometimes that's just that's just something that a player has cost for themselves. And if that's a situation that you're dealing with, realize that it is not 100% your job to keep players together. It's also the player's jobs to, they're the ones who come up with their characters. I love it when a player, and by love I mean hate, uh, <laughs> I love it when a player says, my character doesn't care about your story because he likes this. It's like, uh, you create you create and control your character. So what you're basically telling me is, I don't want to do that. So you change your thing. And it's like, uh, yeah, you can, get, you can get all into it. And once again, we don't know your guys' groups. If you if you know what we're talking about, you know exactly what we're talking about. Hopefully you don't. Hopefully you don't. Yeah, have, I honestly hope you never have to run across yeah, that Yeah, hopefully you don't have it. When you play D&D, you're hopefully playing with your friends and hopefully... You have friends who are mature and don't give you headaches, especially when you are taking on the mantle of DM, putting out the work for week after week or month after month or whenever, how much you do it to make a campaign and that they're invested in your story and uh, grab hold of your plot hooks. And that just sounded so dirty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's hopefully not something you have to deal with. But I do think that it's, it is important for the listeners for every DM out there to realize, yes, it's important to give plot hooks and uh, things in the campaign that can bring the group together. But once you put that on the plate, if a player crosses his arms and gives you a hard time and gives everybody else a hard time, that's, that's some, that's, that's a, a totally problem. different issue. Yeah, that's a problem yeah. on their side. If you're continuously having problems, keeping a group together because you have a player who wants to play a, character that's a jerk and stealing from the other players and betraying them i've i've had to say to a certain to certain people before certain players at the table uh if you do that i have i'm i cannot stop the other players if they find out turning around with their characters and murdering you yeah because that is completely what in real life uh in this fantasy world yeah, in this fantasy <laughs> would probably world, yeah. happen where like killing somebody is just an everyday thing yeah it's so or throwing them in jail or whatever it's like you need to have players. You need to have a dungeon master who wants a group to be together, but you also need players who want to play together and be part of a group. Yep. We've we've really had to stress this in the past with like sometimes in our group that D and D is is supposed to be a team thing. Yeah, it's really supposed to be that. Like yep. conflict can be fun, but it needs to be done in the right way and can't leave the table. It has to stay at the table. And in the end, if there's too much conflict, why are they gonna stay together? So. Yeah. Any other thoughts with that? No, I think you covered it pretty well. All right. All right, so for our last email, we are going to be sharing one that our good friend Corey uh, sent in to us, Nerd Billy, as we like to refer to him as on yep. uh, Twitter. We interact with him a lot. He says, hey, my DM brothers, and then he goes into an email about an idea that he has based off of the game Magic. Yeah. And so he plays uh, uh, 4E with this campaign, and he says, 
a lot of people think 4e is kind of overpowered and so with this idea of magic and having all of his players be individual planeswalkers this is perfect for mm. uh what he is trying to do with with the planeswalkers idea and so his idea is in a nutshell each player is going to be a planeswalker when they come into combat against each other instead of them individually fighting each other like with spells and swords yeah, and all that stuff when they meet like another when they meet another planeswalker they actually play a game of magic mm -hmm. and so what they're doing is they are they're summoning up these monsters these monsters are fighting for them they each have you know the whatever the allotted health is um, that that they have for each other and they just fight and whenever the other person loses that's how the battle is decided and because if he's what if he's an enemy planeswalker and only playing a very powerful one the amount of players that he's versing, the other Planeswalkers, he would take that amount of turns. So, so it'd be he, like one deck versus four decks, but that one deck, that bad Planeswalker gets a bunch of turns. Gets four turns, yeah, yeah. before the other one, or how, whatever he decides uh, at that uh, at that point in time. We have some things that we we like about this, uh, and we also have some things that we were like, we kind of we might add a few things to this if we ever decide to do it. And I think the first thing and most important thing is, is you're playing D&D, &D, bringing magic in is cool, uh, but also remember to stay in D&D character. So whatever the planeswalker that you've come up with, actually treat it as if you're standing in, let's say you're in a cave or something like that. You're actually, as a character, summoning up these monsters to fight. So you, you might be taunting the other person, you might uh, have to say some crazy spell or something like that to have this creature summon make sure you're staying in character i think Speak that can add as a lot your of, character yeah i think um, that can add a lot of things yeah and it. if you're not speaking as your character make sure that you refer to actions that you're doing i think as your character, as your character yeah. so you would say my planeswalker who's named this casts this card which is you don't i wouldn't even refer to his cards i'd say cast, cast this a spell and, or whatever yeah. it is yeah um going along with that if your group because we've talked about how you don't have to actually play magic to take this idea of planeswalkers yeah, yeah. and other things we've talked about on the magic episodes but if you don't have a full group of magic players and or in general you just don't want to uh, play magic while you're playing D, &D but you want to play with the lore you could give planeswalkers are built around summoning up creatures so you could give each player depending on what their planeswalker is based off of if you want to go with like you know that color alignment system or like their planeswalkers are focused on these kind of things you can give them each a number of monsters maybe that they can summon up in battle as like an extra set of powers right that they get beyond their class beyond their race and what we think would be cool is if you give them a, a different number of monsters that maybe they only get one or two per encounter that they can summon up or per amounts of turns but making it random. So maybe you give them a couple that are at this certain power level and a couple of this certain power level, signifying that when you play Magic, you get really powerful cards, you get really uh, weak level cards. So right. maybe you roll a dice to see what creature you're summoning instead of actually picking the monsters that you summon. But that'd be pretty sweet. So you as the Planeswalker player, your PC would also during your turn get to control whatever monsters you've summoned up yeah. and tell them what to do. I think going along with that also, what would be uh, pretty cool is, this is something that we just thought of with, once again, this Planeswalker idea. Because uh, uh, Nerd Billy says, if you're going to be a Planeswalker, you should be a Planeswalker right. in the sense that right. you should be powerful. Well, I think also, go along with that, 
if you're going to be a planeswalker, you should be planeswalking. Yeah. So one thing that we thought about that kind of came from our minds from reading this email was to add more flavor into the fact that your players would be planeswalkers is they should be planeswalking, going to different planes uh, at certain points of the campaign. Now you could just have this preset destination that they go to, but part of the lore behind Magic is that not all planeswalkers are able to completely control whether they haven't learned the control yet to control where they're going to planeswalk to. And there's this idea of traveling to new planes which have never been discovered before. Yeah. So a cool idea would be if you had your planeswalking party decide to planeswalk or have to planeswalk because maybe there's a big bad enemy following them that they need to get away from in a moment's notice. And instead of just going, well, it might go be that here, too, where it's like, you're not able to focus on where you're going. You have to do yeah, it just exactly. like, oh, shoot, I got to get out of here yeah. too. So instead of going, oh, we're planeswalking to this plane, uh, maybe you as the DM have a list, a numbered list, uh, 1 through 20, 1 through 10, whatever it is, of different planes that they could randomly planeswalk to, and you have the players roll one dice, and whatever number that lands on compared to the chart, that's the plane they go to. Adding this element of surprise and not being able to be prepared for the players. Now, that being said, that's a lot of work as a DM. Yeah. So, but if that's something that you're interested in, that could be a very well. Cool that could idea. create an interesting tactic for the players too. It's like if we get separated, what plane are we always going to find ourselves on yeah. if we do get separated? So it could add that fun little element in there too. Exactly. A little bit more planning on your part. Yeah. Or maybe they maybe they have to roll like a concentration check. For planeswalking, kind of like you were saying, and if there's something else going on that breaks their concentration, yeah. they got a negative to yeah. it. And if they don't roll it, they don't planeswalk to that plane that they're trying to. In fact, they go somewhere completely different, uh, and you let the adventure from there begin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so those were those were some great ideas from Nerd Billy and some great ideas from us, I would say. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's all the emails. That's all of the uh, mail that we're going to look at for this episode. Uh, luckily, we still have plenty more to talk yeah, about more, for yeah. future episodes of the DMs block when we talk about the mailbag. So, and keep on keep on letting us know more. So, keep on sending. We love in hearing those. from you. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's our episode for the week. So, Chris, why don't you tell them where they can reach us if they want to continue to email us and such? Yeah, you can email us at dungeonmasterblock at gmail dot com. We uh, we like to get the longer emails there because you know Twitter and everywhere else is like you have one hundred and forty characters. So we've gotten some pretty lengthy ones that that we've had the enjoyment of reading over the uh, past couple of months. You can also find us on iTunes, and if uh, if you if you wouldn't mind, leave us a five star review. That's that's a way for uh, more people like you to to realize. Oh, these guys are actually pretty entertaining to listen to. They have how many reviews do they have? Holy cow, they have a lot of reviews. I'll listen to them, and it's a cool way as you guys have figured out to interact with the community uh, to to see and grow that community, see it grow and flourish. You can also find us on Stitcher. I've heard a, a couple of people have started listening to us on there as well. Mm-hmm. So those are. Those are the places. Where else can they find us, Mitch? Uh, they can also follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's DMS block on Twitter. And they can like our Facebook page for uh, for both of those for updates on when we're recording, when we're releasing, and just other fun stuff that has to do with Dungeons & Dragons, being a DM, and all around just awesomeness. Yeah. So those are the ways that you can get in touch with us and you can follow us and see what we're doing. So before we go here at the Dungeon Master's Block, we have a special announcement for you. 
If you like what you hear here at the Dungeon Master's Block and you want to hear us sound even better and want to find ways to help to support us, we've started what has been called, and some of you may have heard these from other podcasts, a Patreon account. This is a way for you as the listener to help support us financially so that we can improve our equipment and do various other things to help this podcast be the best that it can be. And so within Patreon, there's a couple of different levels that you can donate at. And so the first one is for a pledge of $1 or more per month, you'll be inducted into the Bronze Dragon level of our Patreon account. And at this level, you will receive a personal recorded thank you that will be sent directly to your email, as well as having it played at the very end of one of our episodes as a way of saying thank you. Like right now. That's yeah, what we're like reading. Right, now. right about now. Yeah. If you pledge $5 or more a month, you will be inducted into the Silver Dragon level. And so at the Sylvan Dragon level, you get all the benefits of the Bronze Dragon level, but you will also be able to access on our forums, which is at dungeonmasterblock.freeforums.net. On that forum page, you will be able to access the Silver and Gold Dragon level Patreon member forums. And on these forums, you will be able to get updates on upcoming episodes that uh, nobody else knows that are coming. You will also be able to give us ideas and vote on upcoming episode material. That's pretty cool. You'll get some power there. Mm -hmm. Also within this forum, these forum pages, you will be able to access any 5e and 3.5 custom races that we have discussed on our episodes. The last level that we have is called the Gold Dragon level, and this is if you pledge $10 or more per month, you will receive all of the benefits that the Bronze and Silver Dragon level packages have already given you, and you will also be invited once a month to a Google Plus Hangout to discuss anything and everything pertaining to Dungeon Masters with me, Chris, Dungeon Master Chris, and with Dungeon Master Mitch as well. Anything is free game. The Google Plus Hangout times will be probably about an hour. Uh, we'll keep it to that, and we can just chit-chat figure out what you want to talk about, bring questions, stuff like that, and we'll figure it out together. So if you are looking to support us, you can find us at patreon.com. Just search Dungeon Masters Block, uh, and you should be able to find us and be able to start supporting us. And we would appreciate any amount that you can give, whether it's a lot or a little. We just want to try and make this the best possible community for you guys here at the Dungeon Masters Block. And we want to produce the best pod for you guys. Of course. So thanks again for listening to this episode of the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we focus on the most important person in the game, the Dungeon Master. The only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all the players at the table. Keep on Dungeon Mastering and have a great night. See you guys later. Goodbye.